Morning, everybody. Always lovely to see you. I want to commend all of those things. I know it's busy because there's lots of messages going on, but the big weekend, I hope that's in your diary, please. Every element of that is going to be great. Uh, Tim is not going to win the quiz, by the way, because uh, I've wrote Tim in to lead it, for, apart from anything else. Um, <laughs> that's to prevent him from bragging. Um, so. So please be there. I hope it's in your doubt. You need to sign up, though, because there's going to be food and music and uh, just a whole bunch of things that evening. So please sign up on Church Suite. That would be really good. Welcome uh, to those who are new. Lovely that you're here. I always see some new faces, particularly this time of year. Really great that you're, you're around. I'm Tim. Been around for a while. And uh, welcome back, too, to the little Macedonia team. I saw one or two of them around. Haven't quite got time to share stories, but they've got stories to share, which is great. And actually, bless them. Will, one of the team, Will, has been there for a week because his flight was cancelled or delayed or something. They couldn't get him back here for a week. So he's had a whole extra seven days missioning in Macedonia. That's part of our partnership, but really good to see you. I'm going to start, though, with, um, with uh, the really significant... One of the weightier questions of our era uh, up on the screen. Uh, coffee, holding coffee during worship, which one are you? Are you the hand warmer or the receiver or the concealed carry <laughs> or the all-out... Arms high, heart abandoned. That, that came through on our WhatsApp group this morning, and I rather love that, because it's a really important question, and we need to resolve it. And I've been observing this morning, and I can tell, I know, I know who's who. <laughs> Actually, what I do want to do is start with a verse that the Lord really imprinted on uh, me this, mor- uh, th- this week, um, as I was just kind of reflecting about stuff. So I want to start with this scripture, I'm going to say it, from Psalm 103. Incredibly reassuring, great verse. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. He has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. And I was thinking about that verse, and I'll come back to it a minute, and I was thinking, I wish I wore the pink glasses of faith more consistently, more relentlessly, more naturally. The pink glasses of faith, reference to a message Hills gave in this church some time ago, has slightly come into our vocabulary. The, the way of seeing the pink glasses of faith, I'll leave them somewhere where we can see them. There we go. Put, no, I'm not, no, no, I'm not going to put them on. Yeah. <laughs> Adam's taking photos that'll go all, you know, it'll go viral. It'll, you know, we, we, can't, we can't do that kind of thing. <laughs> all right. You can pay me and I'll do it later. But that way of seeing, that way of perceiving, I would love to look at the world like that, at at, at myself, at people, at at the world, at the past, the present, especially the future, current events, problems, all of that. I would just love to grow in my ability to see through that lens of the kingdom of God, that God, uh, he's established his throne in heaven, his kingdom rules over all. And if ever there was a time, in my view, to wear the pink glasses of faith, to see in that kind of a way, to see from heaven's perspective, God's perspective, rather than anybody else's, it, it's now. I mean, it's always true for the people of God. It's part of our growth, but that, it, it's now. I had a text from somebody this week, uh, when, or, sorry, last week when the queen died, just after the queen died, and she said this, well, the UK was already in free fall, wasn't it? And this latest massive event only adds to that sense of a nation that is increasingly troubled and insecure. And so, yes, there'll be some short-term uh, kind of unity and, and, and coming together in and around um, uh, the, the Queen dying uh, to celebrate her, to mark her death, to give thanks for her life. And all of it, in my view, is being so brilliantly and so beautifully and so movingly done. Uh, and, and it brings us together in that kind of a way, which is so wonderful and right. But it won't be long, will it? We know this, before 
the, 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 the narrative of the media, the, the, the stuff that we see on the news and so on, will revert to more of the, the bad news and getting worse, more of that stuff. Our material standard of living has kind of grown inexorably over the last 80 years, but the latest survey that I was made aware of yesterday continues to say that actually in terms of the levels of contentment, of inner peace, of fulfillment, of satisfaction, they are relentlessly going down. Mental health issues five times worse than they were 80 years ago. And we're kind of aware of that, aren't we? Whether it's um, you know, the economy, whether it's the cost of energy, whether it's uh, social disintegration of one sort or another, where it's mo moral decay, identity crises, refugee crises, loneliness crises, mental health crises, and so on. And now that important layer of, I would say, uh, dignified uh, sort of stability, even a, a measure of spiritual covering that our monarch gave to us, that too uh, ha has gone to add to all of that. A true changing of the, of the guard. And so there is great fear. You don't need me to tell you that. There's, there always has been, but there's great fear. There's great sense of insecurity, which then tends to feed upon itself. And we've seen it grow, haven't we? We've observed it over the, the, the past few years, tumultuous events and so on. You don't need to name all, all of them. Brexit, changes of political leadership, COVID, Ukraine, uh, etc., inflation, now the monarch, let alone all the, the more local kind of personal things that we may be experiencing by way of challenge. So to look through the pink glasses of faith, a kingdom perspective on all of that, is not to deny any of that. Please hear me carefully. Of course it's not. It's not to deny that these, many of these things are intensely painful, intensely difficult. They're real. Actually, the pink glasses of faith, far from pretending that they're not, they do the exact opposite. They enable the people of God who wear those glasses of faith to step into that hurting, broken world with more compassion, better equipped to help others, to feel moved, to, to be spurred into action. But seeing more as the Lord sees, which I'm urging upon us to, 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 to grow into more and more as I speak to myself at a time like this especially, it means not responding in fear. Andrew drew, drew attention to that wholly earlier too. Not responding in fear, but, but in faith. Not living at the level of media commentary. Not living at the level of debate on social media or, or discussion. Not, not, not living at the level of opinion or even feelings, like everybody else does. It means not holding out false hopes. Not imagining that there's some sort of quick fix clutching at straws, but holding on to real hope. We'll come to that. It certainly means not reacting by going with the flow of the rest of the world in human narratives and human solutions and, and, and so on. As if better politics might, would, would help, or better education, or better technology, or even better social justice and so on are the only places to find answers. Of course, they've got really important contributions to make. But the narrative will be, with, you know, that those, are, those are where we need to do those things better and then we'll find some answers. No, say the pink glasses of faith. No, says the word of God. When, so when people bump up against the body of Christ, that's you and me if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning. When people bump up against the body of Christ, what do they experience? What do they see? What do they hear? What kind of witness are we giving to, into that environment right now? Like I say, always true, but it feels especially it's a magnifying glass on it now, isn't it? What kind of culture do they bump into? And is it the same as the one they bump into on the high street? 
See, there is this higher and deeper and beautiful reality that verse reminds us. From everlasting to everlasting, right there it reminds us that death is not the end. There is a bigger story. It feels to me one of the greatest deceptions and seductions of the devil in our age is to diminish and reduce and, and, and persuade us to focus so much on the here and now that we're not aware of the there and then. And by not being aware of the there and then, we're not aware of its implications for the here and the now. But from everlasting to everlasting, there's a much bigger story. There's this story, the stuff of what we're immersed in, but there's a much bigger story. From everlasting to everlasting. The Lord's love is with those who fear him. That's the good fear. The other fears aren't good. That's the good fear. Those who fear, those who, who revere him, those who honor him, those who give their allegiance to, to that king, those who experience his love. The Lord's love is with him, it is with them. He's established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. So we may not have all the answers. In fact, I'm not sure we've got any of the answers. But friends, can I encourage us? As the Lord is really, really wanting to encourage us right now. We do know the one who holds the future. We can know the one who has got the answers. And in him is the only solid grounds for our hope. Amen? He is our only hope. He is our only hope. But he's the best hope. And it's the best news, it's the only news that's really going to cut through and make a difference ultimately. It's not a kind of wishful thinking, it's not a vague optimism. Solid amidst all this shaking, there is so much shaking. By the way, it's all in line with some very significant prophetic voices that have been speaking in the last year or two. You'll be aware of them. I'll I'll lob out one name for you, Chris Wickland, YouTube, his his, uh, prophetic utterance from a few months ago. It's all in line with that. We've been given the only life raft for a drowning nation. We're the stewards of that message. We are the stewards of that message. So incredible potential then, actually, for the church, for we who have already, to some extent, tasted and believed and, by the grace of God, been given pink glasses to put on. Don't take them off. Now more than ever, let's wake up every morning. God, help me to see as you see. Help me to see the world. Help me to love as you love. Step into whatever assignments you've given me to step into. But in that confidence, in that faith, everything of the world is, is, is pointing the other way. So to wear the pink glasses of faith, to wear them, to, to grow in that capacity depends on what? It depends on knowing the giver of them. It depends on knowing the one in whom we're putting our faith. It depends on knowing Jesus better. And say some rather obvious, unoriginal things, but my goodness, I can't, I've just been so stirred again how significant this is. It depends on knowing him better. It depends on knowing him. All of it does. Knowing him better. Because as we know him more intimately, we trust him more completely. We've got much more to offer the world. So our focus on these four September Sundays uh, is all about knowing him better, essentially. If you've been with us the last couple of Sundays, you'll know that. It's all essentially different ways of saying we've got to know the Lord better. Is that our desire, collectively, individually? Because as we look to him, as we find our, you know, as we, as we find our focus on him, we, we get united, we get equipped, we get empowered, and, and all the rest of it. We're knowing that we're loved, knowing that we're forgiven, knowing that there's grace, knowing that there's power, knowing that there's his presence to step into, knowing his peace, He's the prince of peace. We can't minister that peace to a world that is so anxious unless we know it ourselves. Yes, we can talk about being non-anxious presences. That's a really key thing to be. 
But I want to say even more positively than that, that's being full of peace. What's to be full of peace? It's to be full of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. We've got to know him better. His promises, his, his provision, and then be scattered saint servants who take it to a world. So beginnings of terms, which this is for us, beginnings of terms are really good times. I mean, every time's a good time, but beginnings of terms are good times, aren't they? To do those kind of resets, to, to take a bit of stock take. It's kind of what we're doing this month, I think. Thinking together about some of what contributes to that, some of the habits and the, the regular practices and the scaffolding and the trellis and the stuff that supports all of that enterprise, which is to know him better. It's to know Jesus better. It's not about anything else, really. What are those regular habits and practices? Our character, a couple of quotes we've heard recently. Our character, who we are, have these quotes up, thanks, Jamie, is the sum total of all our what? Everyday choices. Sorry, the writing's a bit small there. Can you see it? But everyday choices, not the really big ones, everyday choices. So a thought, you reap an action. So an action, you reap a habit. So a habit and you reap what? A character, who you are. Hills gave us this one a couple of weeks ago. The secret of your success is found in your daily routines. You'll never change your life without changing something that you do daily. Little question again, always arises. I'm really serious about this question. Do I want to change? The implication of all of these is, of course, we want to change, we want to change, we want to change. Actually, in my experience, I don't always want to change. Free confession. I'm not sure I did. There's always stuff I want to see changed, you know, I don't know why I pointed at you, but yeah. <laughs> That's probably fair enough. <laughs> Carpet, you know, government, uh, whatever, weather, etc., <laughs> etc. Et there's, there's always stuff that we want to see change. But no, the question, friends, of course we're asking, do I, do I want to change, really? I've got to be honest about that before the Lord and hopefully before somebody else too. How interested am I in my character growing, actually? But on the basis that some of us do, or even hopefully most of us, many of us do, it's good to put the spotlight then on the daily habits and the, and the practices from time to time. And as you know, at Trinity, we put a, a name around that. It's not an original name. It dates back a couple of thousand years, and we call it the rule of life. Just a way of helping us to think about these things. And I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands as to whether you have intentionally changed something about your rule of life in the last, what should we say, few weeks, few months, even a year since we've been talking about this more intentionally. I won't ask that, but I'm an attentive kind of a guy, and it's kind of my job to. So I have, been, I have actually been noting a few things that I've observed in the family about people who have who've said, actually, I, yeah, I've, I've given some attention to that. Here's a few things. Just let's be encouraged by this. There's a young family who open their home every fortnight on a Friday to whoever wants to come and have supper. There's somebody who started using an app called Pause. I believe it's called Pause. It pings at various moments during the day and helps that person to pause, listen, and repeat an encouraging verse of Scripture. Somebody who's bought a journal and began the practice of, of writing stuff in it. There's a married couple who've renewed their commitment to a weekly date night. I know. There are various groups, uh, life groups, sharing communion together more often, breaking bread together. Andrew has shared publicly his practice that has become a practice of, of phoning a member of his family on a more regular basis because he felt that the Lord, that was part of what the Lord was encouraging him to do as part of this scaffolding rule of life. There's a good number of folk who are more intentional now. Uh, I've heard about Sabbath what it's for, what it's not for, how to keep it, what it, what it is, what it isn't, what they put into it, what they keep out of it. Uh, others develop, developing habits of fasting. 
a whole bunch of variations on walking, cycling, and running that I've come across as part of this, not just, just, just because I like doing those things, but as a, as a rule of life thing, as, a, as part of the regular pattern. Hills was talking a couple of weeks ago about pre- her prayer practices, using the Lord's Prayer, for example, creatively as a, as a coat hanger for things. I know somebody whose bedside table now no longer has, in fact, their whole bedroom no longer has their iPhone in it because the iPhone is downstairs. It has a book in it on the bedside table instead. And somebody was telling me recently that they don't just now have worship music playing in their house, as good as that is, they regularly stop and actually worship the Lord um, and not just hear it. And there's probably some more, and you probably are aware of others. And are any of those rocket science? Not especially. I don't think that the difficulty is in, is in sort of thinking what to do. It's deciding to do it. So quick question for you. Five, uh, five, here's my thing. Five, you know, some of you know this. Five frogs sitting on a log. One of them decides to jump off. How many left on the log? Five, because deciding is not the same as doing. So when, when we talk about these kinds of things, the scaffolding, the, the, the habits, the practices, there's a familiar narrative that goes through my head, and I'm pretty sure it goes through some of yours. Yes, I'm so up for that. I'm so, yes, this is a reset, I so, and I'm gunning for that, I do want to be more like Jesus, da, da, da. And so I've got these, the, a whole bunch of things that I'm just going to put into practice. Deciding is not the same as that. And then I look back a few weeks later, and, mm, well, it, I, I've, I've overreached again, or, or gone for too much, or I can end up disappointed. You know, it's slightly familiar for some of us. So again, just in all of this, in this, these September Sundays, please don't hear, do this, do, 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 lots of stuff. Be realistic. With, that, with the Lord, think of one thing. With the Lord, think one thing. Maybe you've already got it from the past couple of Sundays. That's great. Hang on to the, do that, do that. Uh, and don't try and do everything. It's got to be realistic. A couple of, uh, I want to do a little bit of myth busting, just again briefly about the, the, these, these things. A rule of life is a list of behaviors that good Christians should do. No, it's a, a, a load of practices and rhythms that are a means to an end and not an end in themselves. Ollie was reminding us last Sunday evening that the word actually even means a trellis. Think of that trellis up which something grows and is fruitful. A rule of life will make God pleased with me. No, he's already pleased with you. And you can't earn his pleasure, however much we might might want to try. This is so offensive to us, isn't it? Some of you even now thinking, really? Uh, Sure. He is already pleased with you. You can't earn his pleasure. God never sells anything, ever. And as much as we want to buy something, as much as we want to earn it, as much as we want to go, I want to deserve God being pleased with me. I want to, surely there's something I can do and, and pay a cost for. Grace is only grace because it's free. So a rule of life does not make God more pleased with you. Three, um, rule of life is all about disciplines that are fairly unpleasant but quite good for me, a bit like taking medicine or flossing your teeth. So I'm going to grip my teeth and do them because I know they're really, really good for me. No, no. John Mark Comer says, um, he, he talks about need, us needing, and he's the kind of high priest of, of, of these ancient practices made contemporary, isn't he? John Mark Comer of Bridgetown Church in, in, uh, in the States. Uh, he says we need far more downstream practices than upstream ones. I like the language, the idea being that the downstream ones go with the flow of who we are and our preferences and our personality and things that we actually already enjoy. So it's, I love walking, I love nature, I love the beauty around us, and I know lots of us do. So it's not been difficult for me over the years to develop habits and practices around walking because they're kind of within the flow. It's a downstream habit for me. 
and just add some intentionality around what I do when I'm walking by way of praying or listening or worshiping or whatever. And, and they'll be the same for you. And they need to be life-giving. So sure, there are some upstream practices. I'm not saying otherwise. I'm not saying that there aren't some things that do require of us more willpower, more uh, motivation, more hard work, if you like. I don't like fasting. Hey, you know, wow, who does? But I do it. I don't like getting sweaty on my exercise bike very often, but I do it. And when I do those things, there is benefit on a, on a regular basis, because if there weren't benefit to these things, why would we start in the first place? And sure, sometimes I don't like engaging properly with my Bible. But there are, there are a handful of practices. Again, I'm not going to repeat them all, but you know, take, take a leaf. we've reprinted the leaflets, by the way, so you know, um, go for them at the back. There are a handful of practices, and by the way, listening to the Lord's voice through his word, through the scriptures, is one of them, without which we cannot grow. We simply cannot. So we can't just choose the, you know, everything that we love and imagine that rule of life is going to somehow make us more like Jesus. But utterly, utterly essential that we have a rule of life that is, that is life-giving, that is sustainable, that is joyful, and it is vital that we have them in order, if we want to grow. Back to that. If you don't want to grow, don't have a rule of life. If you do want to grow, you need one an intentional one, that we would be with Jesus more, that we would become like Jesus more, that we would do what Jesus was, would do if he was in our shoes more. That's it, isn't it? Be with Jesus, become more like Jesus, do what Jesus did. And so you may recall that we've uh, presented this um, uh, here just in our family by way of kind of categorizing some four big, four big categories, uh, prayer and scripture, rest, which includes Sabbath, uh, relationships, work, and service. And Hill spoke a couple of weeks ago about prayer. Andrew spoke last week on, on rest and Sabbath. We've got work and service next week. So just in a, a few moments, I'm not so much going to teach actually about this massive area of how, how uh, a rule of life works out in our relationships. I mean, it feels to me of the four, that's, it's the most kind of touchy-feely and not easy to get our, our, our hands on. But I think this, what I'm going to do is... is um, Present a scripture a little bit, uh, lob out some questions, and set you some homework. <laughs> so not so much of a message in a way uh, as, a, as an invitation to, to journey this with the Lord. Hope, hope you'll bear with me on that. But can I start with a little story first? There's a friend who used to be part of Trinity many years ago here. And the Lord called him, so strange when this happens, into ordination in the Church of England. Never quite got that. Uh, but he had a particular heart for rural ministry and uh, knew that he would end up in a rural place. And he did, and he was called to a place where there were six or seven villages. And they were a bit all over the place, to be honest, different people wanting different kinds of things. And my friend had some quite big dreams and some quite big aspirations, some quite big hopes, quite big strategies and so on for, for how this was all going to go. And he felt the Lord say when he arrived, actually, no, ditch all of that for now. Felt the Lord tell him strongly over a period of time, David, just be kind. Surely there's a bit more, <laughs> a bit more to it, Lord. Now, David, just be kind. Be really, you're a kind man. Be kind. Model kindness. Talk about kindness. Encourage kindness. Teach about the kindness of Jesus. It sounded offensively simple, but he wanted to be obedient to what he felt the Lord was saying, and he did. And for a season, those village churches just focused on that. They just reminded themselves that Jesus is really kind. They reflected on that. They, 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 they sought to act it out. One of these most profound instructions, love one another as I have loved you. John 15, we'll come back to it in a minute. Love one another as I've loved you. And so they worked on that together. Both parts of that sentence, by the way, 
the as I have loved you, the receiving of love, the remembering that actually God loved them. In Jesus, he sent Jesus to die for them and to be raised for them, the Holy Spirit. And, and they just learned a little bit more to receive that love. But they began to develop a whole load of practices. They began to be intentional about it. They began to, to work out ways that they could be kind, even to people that they may, maybe didn't like so much. And it wasn't rocket science, the different things they did. I don't even need to, to say what they were. I don't even know what they were, but it's not hard to imagine. Little acts of kindness. But they did it intentionally. And friends, what happened was the quality of the relationships amongst those churches, which was a bit all over the place, and there was factions and stuff, as they just put the kindness of Jesus into practice as part of their, if you like, rule of life, without calling it that. The relationships got deeper, they got more real, they got more trusting, they got more loving, and there was a much stronger foundation for other ways in which those churches could then grow and witness. And they all sit under that banner, don't they? Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Simple and complicated at the same time. Easy and impossible. Literally everything that the Lord does comes from a heart of love. Even when he's warning us, even when he's disciplining us, even when he's, when he's encouraging us, even when he's, you know, whatever he does comes from a heart of love because he's love. So, as I have loved you, as he loves in that way, everything that we do, literally every relationship that we are to have, whether it's family, friends, or enemies, people we like, people we don't like, Let's just remember, first of all, it's all under that banner. Our motive, there's only one motive in relationship, literally only one motive, if we're to be the people of God, which is to love. Could I ask you briefly, would you mind standing if you're able and comfortable? Would that be okay? I just want us to read together, because I said I wasn't going to, you know, so I wanted us to engage with the scripture. And I'd love for this scripture just to dominate our skyline for, uh, for now and maybe on a little bit into the week. And if you're in a life group, you'll be picking this up probably on Tuesday, Wednesday. Could we say this together quite slowly? Jesus is talking to his friends. Imagine, can you imagine yourself into that scenario? You've, you've, you've been with him for three years quite intensively. And he's loved you in a whole variety of ways. And, and then before he dies, this is part of the farewell discourse. You say your most important things when you're about to leave. So this is what he says to them. Should we say it together? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Thank you. Do sit. It says a lot there, doesn't it? You've got an assignment. I've, I've, I've chosen you. 
You know, he chose us before we chose him. You've got an assignment. Your assignment is to bear fruit. That's to be, like, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did in the world. And the key to it, of course, is love. It's the empowering of the Spirit. Remain in me, abide in me, uh, and love one another. Let love be the, the hallmark of all your relationships. And they will be thinking, maybe, so what did he do that, that expressed that love under that banner of love? What, what did he do? Well, you fill in all of the blanks. Imagine he, he washed their feet. I mean, okay, I, think, I can't remember where this comes in the, in the narrative, but add on a few weeks, if you like, and Peter and John are reflecting on what? Well, he, he washed our feet. He, he healed us. He forgave us. Peter's saying he restored me. His, I think there's a bunch of, of action words, Jamie, on there. Because love is a verb. It expresses itself in all those kinds of things. Jesus did all of those and many more with his friends, with his people. So as I have loved you... Those things, encouraging, praying, listening, giving time. He joked and played. If you don't think Jesus was playful, you, you've not read the same Bible as I have. He touched, he hugged, he laughed, he cried, he ate with. Expressions of his love. And he paid a heavy price for it because love is, is costly much of the time. And of course, it'll, it'll look different for different people as we're bringing it to us. The way that we love, our rule of life for how we love intentionally. Of course, it will look different. People receive love in different ways. We all know about the love languages. I prefer, um, you know, uh, I prefer hugs to gifts, um, unless it's wine, cheese, and chocolate, when I've got a real problem. Uh, <laughs> kind of both, really, in that context. Um, Mercifully, Hills prefers quality time to acts of service, so it's better if I take her out for coffee than try and do the ironing. That definitely, um, <laughs> that's definitely true. But so, we, but you know, as I've said, said so often, how to love is not really the issue, is it? We we know how we can love. It's it's those sorts of things. The issue is is are our hearts full of that love? Can I get really practical and just allow you to begin a conversation with the Lord about this? Uh, you, ca- you, you came in, uh, some of you, not, perhaps not everybody, got a, a little grid, uh, three by three, and you thought it was for the kids or you thought it was to do um, noughts and crosses when it got boring in here. Um, actually, it's just a little thing. Sometimes just doing something helps you to think about it. And please don't, we're, we're only starting now. You haven't got time now because this is for, with, with you and the Lord. But I wonder if you might think of, of that as, a, as the grid of your relationships and put yourself in the middle of it. Normally, Jesus is in the middle, but today you have permission to put yourself in the middle. Um, and, and there you are. And around you, there are a whole bunch of different relationships, aren't there? And I suppose I, I, I want us to focus more on the ones that are part of our walk with Jesus, the relationships that form something around your journey with Jesus, because none of us do that alone. So if you're married, it, it may well include your spouse, or you might have a close friend, or you might have a prayer partner or a mentor. You might be part of a life group. I hope you are. If you're not, please get into a group. And if you're not in brackets, if you're not in a group for this month, October, November, please sign up for one of the Ephesians study groups. We're going to be eight weeks looking at Ephesians together. Sign up at the back. Uh, or you're, you're, a, you're a parent and you've got kids. Who are, of course, they're part of the way that you walk with the Lord together. Or you're a grandparent or whatever. So you don't need to do it now necessarily, but perhaps look at your piece of paper or look at your grid and mentally fill in some blanks there. Yeah, those, the, 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 that, you could put a name in. It's quite good, I think, maybe uh, to put a name in, a name person. Yeah, that's my prayer partner. Yeah, there's him and there's, there's that woman that I is, is part of my life group. And just imagine that, that whole network of relationships. There's quite a, probably quite a lot of them, aren't there? We've got to be intentional about this. Then, then what I want to encourage us, and again, we can, you can get the idea now, but I'm going to set you the homework, if I may, um, is to be asking the Lord, being really practical, Lord, would you draw my attention to one of those relationships? 
Would you draw my attention just to one of those? Remember the overreach thing? Don't try and do it all. Just one. For me, it was my, my prayer partner as I engaged in this exercise myself. From, uh, so for our purposes today, the context of the rule. So of course we're to be loving to everybody. Of course we are. Don't, don't, don't remind me of that. Absolutely. We're to be givers more than takers in every relationship that we have. But we're speaking specifically about this intentionality around uh, my relationships as part of my, my, my regular pattern. So ask the Lord. And then, and then here are two or three questions to begin to ask. What are you doing as part of your regular pattern to love that person? If love is a verb, it expresses itself somehow, what are you doing at the moment as part of your regular pattern to love that person or, or that group, if it's a group or if it's the little team that you serve on in the, in the life of this church? What are you currently doing? And what might you do to deepen that relationship? I told you it was practical. <laughs> That's so important. Because these things don't happen by accident. Nothing does. Growth doesn't happen by accident. Getting old happens automatically. Getting more mature. Getting more mature does not. It requires intentionality. What might you do to deepen that relationship? And then if, it's, if it falls into this kind of category, where, where, there's a, where, where to be vulnerable, to be accountable, to be trusting, to go deep, to really share at a deep level is part of the deal, then how can that grow? So I, I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm thinking my lovely prayer partner, who's not, a part, not, not part of this uh, family. He's part of another local family. And the reality is, at the moment, that uh, thinking back, we've been a little bit hit and miss, and we've certainly spent a lot more time catching up with each other than we have praying for each other. So one of our resolves in this sort of framework of how, how do we grow, how do we help, rule of life, if you like, to put a, a name on it, is that we're going to pray more than we chat. And we're going to make sure that we don't leave a meeting before we've got the next one in the diary. Quite simple. It's not difficult. And you're probably much better at this than I am. But I'm just giving you a, a, a bit of a heads up. Can we have the next one, Jamie, please? Which just, again, if, you, if you're the kind of person who needs some sort of fuel for thought, these are, again, real. They're not invented. I speak about a prayer partner. Maybe getting a prayer partner is what you need to do. Because you haven't got one. You don't have that kind of relationship with somebody of the same sex who you are just going deep with and, and being vulnerable with and accountable to. Spending more time praying than chatting. Mentor, have you got one? Maybe be one. I'm speaking to a room full of people here with lots of experience under your belt, and many of you don't feel confident to pass on that experience to a younger person. I'm here to tell you, you've got what it takes. Please hear me. May I, may I be a bit ageist at this moment? Those of you who are sort of in, in the second half of life rather than the first half, and you're beginning to think this might be a young person's church or it's all about the young ones, they need you. Uh, and being a mentor might be one way of doing that if you haven't got one. And be intentional about it. How about your closest friends? Are, are you good with this? How, what's the rhythm of your encouragement with them, with a verse, with a word, with a, you know, devices make it so easily, but not at the expense of meeting in person? One more screen. Marriage. Bunch of people married in the room. You know, what do you do? Hills and I start our day with a psalm. I think you know that. How about reading a book together? Whatever. Meals, family, all of the different family, sort of family dynamics. There's some things on there. Uh, all of these are things that I have heard within, you know, reasonably recent past. Some of them are, uh, are Hills's and mine, but I'm not going to tell you which ones. Um, praying for your grandchildren daily. Yeah, that's become one of us. Great delight. It's part of the way that. We would want to be anyway, but actually it begins to form a bit of a rhythm and a pattern. And there's intentionality around it, which helps to grow us. Your life group, your team, and so on. Need to draw to a close. 
some questions, some things to ponder with the Lord. Actually, I'll just pause for 30 seconds. Just... Just capture whatever thoughts are going through your head right now before I just close. We can only love because he first loves us. Love one another as I have loved you, as I've loved you. And sure, we love others for their sakes more than we do for ours, but the economy of the kingdom means as we love, as we give, so we we receive and we get built up. And loving others is sure, it's a part of the way that we love the Lord. Of course it is. Part of the way that the Lord loves us is through the love of other people. That's how it works. But I want to just close on the first commandment and not the second, the love him with all heart, mind, soul, and then love others. I I was reminded of this uh, yesterday, actually. Hills and I went to a little conference, and I did some carpet time. In, in that gathering. And I felt the Lord whisper to me this, off the back of a time of great worship and the presence of the Lord, Hills loves it when you tell her that you love her, and so do your children. Pause. And then Jesus said, and so do I. And so do I. So sure, in that network of, of relationships, loving all of, in, in that way uh, is to love the Lord in some way but not at the expense of the direct telling of the Lord that you love him. And I was brought up a bit short. I didn't feel condemned, but I did feel uh, encouraged and stirred. I feel as if I've fallen out of the habit of telling the Lord on a daily basis how much I love him. And I don't know where you're at, and you may not have even started a relationship with Jesus. And you're so welcome here. We're so glad that you're here. We feel that we're a people on a journey. We don't have all the answers, but we believe that Jesus does. And to you, I would want to say, um, don't delay, actually. You've not been able to make sense, maybe, of some of the stuff that's been going on here. You're not sure about this idea of the relationship with a God that you can't see. You're not sure about Jesus necessarily. I want to say don't delay in finding out. Do not delay. The stakes are way too high. The stakes are way, way too high. So Alpha will be a great place for you to connect. Um, if, that's, if you're in that camp, you, you don't really know where to start. Alpha's a great place to start. But there may be some in the room, and you'd want to say to me, Tim, I actually don't want to even leave this building without something changing. I don't even want to run out of that door without knowing that there's something more than what I'm experiencing right now, that I'm, I'm tired of trying to run my life my way. I'm tired of not knowing where to find peace. I'm tired of not knowing where fulfillment comes. And I've got a, bu- a load of questions, but I know enough to know that Jesus is the answer, that he is the savior, because I need saving and I need forgiving for the way that I've led my life, for the sins that I've committed, for, for rebelling against him. I need a savior and I need a Lord who's not me. And I'm prepared even today to say, whatever else I don't know, Jesus, you're my savior and you're my Lord. And if you're in that camp today, I want to so encourage you not to run out the door, but to find one of us, to find me, find Andrew, find Hills, somebody who looks as if they've been on the journey a bit, and begin that today. Don't waste time. To the rest of us, though, who are part of the family, now is the time to double down, in my view, on getting secure in his love, getting filled up, getting bold, Get the pink glasses on, live with them on, and love the world. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. He has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all.